The reading this evening is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. If you'd like to follow it in the Church Bibles, it's on page 1177. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Evening, everyone. Good to see you. So I've had a lot of back chat recently from members of this congregation about calling Mandy my favourite reader. Um, so just to add some jeopardy, she's now my second favourite reader 
and I'll leave it to you to work out who's the first. Mandy and I have discussed this, had some performance issues. No, thank you very much, Mandy, for reading. You are actually my favourite reader. And if you don't like it, raise your game, readers. Simple as that. <laughs> shall, we, shall we pray together before we look at God's word? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it speaks. Thank you that it is your voice. Thank you that it is the voice of the Holy Spirit and that it is not just a dry ancient text, but it has things to say to us that will bring us salvation and will bring us true enlightenment and knowledge of you and will one day bring us to be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Ephesians, I've asked this at the beginning of every Ephesians talk that I've done so far, and that how are you getting on with Ephesians? Are you getting on with Ephesians? We're in the middle, I say we're in the middle, we're coming to the end now of a series where we've been looking at one letter, which can actually be read in about half an hour or so, if you just sit and read it. And in fact, this letter was read out in one hit to a church um, a couple of thousand years ago, And what we're actually doing is we're going through it and we're dismantling a sermon or a talk or a letter and doing several deep dives into individual passages of that one thing. And that can be a bit of a challenge in terms of our concentration span, can't it, over several weeks. But it's a really important question to be asking. I'm doing this talk right now, but there has been a lot of teaching and God has been saying a lot of things through his word to us as a church family. How are you getting on with that? Have you taken some time to pray into that? Have you said, Father, I've been going to church and I've been talking about Ephesians. What have you got to say to me through that? That is possibly the most important thing you can do off the back of teaching in church. I can say some stuff tonight. You might like it. You might find it boring. You might engage with it. You might not. But God is speaking to us. We've been through a huge amount of ground in Ephesians. At the beginning of Ephesians, there are these huge theological statements about who we are in Jesus, who Jesus is. Um, And you might have found that those have been incredibly inspirational. You might have said, wow, these are truths about me. We've listed a few times, haven't we? All the things that we are in Jesus. And you, you might have found that truly empowering. Or you might as well have found that quite overwhelming. It might have been new language to you. It might have been something that you felt, I'm struggling to pin that down in real life. Well, good news, Paul doesn't stay in the theoretical as he writes Ephesians. He then goes bang right into your personal life. He talks, God speaks to us through Ephesians about the nitty gritty of our personal life. And you might have looked at that and you might have thought, you know what, this is, this is exactly what I've needed. I've needed God to do a deep dive on my personal life. I've needed God to start telling me where he wants me to change or grow or telling me where he feels that I'm doing well. Or you might have thought, well, I was actually a bit more comfortable when it was all kind of theoretical in chapter one and two and these, these big kind of picture picture concepts and I was a bit more comfortable there but but God's been doing both for us hasn't he he's been doing that and now we've come to the armor of God passage put your hand up if you've heard a talk on the armor of God before in your life 
Just a few, yeah? It, there, just a few. It's, it gets spoken about a lot. In fact, it's one of the go-tos in preaching world that you can go to and preach in isolation and say, this is a thing, right? The armour of God is a thing. Let's learn about it. Let's talk about it. Let's make sure we're putting it on every day. And that's good. And that is absolutely right. But one of the things that you need to understand about the armour of God is this is just a part of a much bigger picture that Paul is painting here for the Ephesians. The armour, right? You put on armour when you're going into battle. You've probably heard, seeing as everybody put their hand up basically to say they've heard it, you've probably heard that Paul's describing Roman soldier armour. That's a nice bit of trivia we like to say at moments like this in church life. That's what Paul's describing. He's describing someone getting ready for battle. So we're going to look at this battle in a few ways, right? We're going to look at, we're going to do some battle prep, right? First of all, if you're going to do well in a battle, you need to know your objective, right? You need to know what you're going to be achieving. You need to know, secondly, your enemy. Thirdly, you need to know your terrain. Once you know those things, then you can pick what armour you're going to put on. It is no good going to fight in a bog wearing a suit of armour, right? You need to know where you're going to. It is no good trying to fight an evil enemy that is impervious to everything except for kryptonite unless you've got kryptonite, right? You need to know what you're going into. So we're going to take a look at that. And also, can I venture a point here? I think I've been guilty over the years of getting overly excited about this passage because of some of the cool stuff that it says in there. And I've been taken from a place that, that could have been really powerful for me in terms of God really working on my heart and really making me what he needs me to be to a place where I've kind of imagined myself as some sort of a Jedi Knight meditating, you know, so that I can take on the powers and the principalities and the dark forces of this world. I'm watching Mandalorian at the moment, by the way. It's a great series. Definitely watch it. So I'm well into this language at the moment. First of all, let's take a look at the passage. The objective. Verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. There's objective number one. To be strong. Now, I want you to imagine you're at the gym with me. It's hard to imagine. I don't like the gym. But you're at the gym with me, and you are trying to bench press, lift up some weights. And when you're lying down, you're trying to push some weights up. And um, you suddenly say to me, who's spotting you, I'm stood behind you, I'm struggling to lift this weight. And I say to you, don't worry, I've got some advice. Just be strong. (laughs) Done. Amazing. How unhelpful would that be in that moment, right? This is not God saying to you, you need to be stronger. You need to be a more powerful individual. You need to be an extrovert. You need to be someone that knows what you think at all times. Just be strong. He's saying, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's him. It's not us lifting the weight. 
when we're considering this armour, it's not us that are going into this battle alone just to fight. It's God that is going to do this. So that's point number one. Verse 14, objective number two. Take a look at this. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist. Stand firm. Stand firm. When you imagine a battle, do you imagine advancing constantly? Do you imagine two armies clashing together? We've all seen the great epic films that are out there from over the years where you have these great big battle scenes. You've always got two armies rushing at each other, but then there's this moment where they've engaged, right? And it basically comes down to the organisation of the two armies and who's able to stand their ground and not lose any ground. When you imagine your spiritual life, when you imagine your life, do you imagine yourself constantly trying to push forward? Do you ever imagine yourself being pushed back? And do you imagine yourself standing firm? When you go out into the world after this service and off to work tomorrow or whatever it is you're going to do, off to school, wherever you're going to go, do you imagine yourself actually having to stand firm? Is that something you think you're going to have to do this week? It's not actually something that's often on my mind. I don't often go into a week going, I need to stand firm this week. But here in Ephesians, we've got this need for this strength from God to be there for us. And we've got this command to stand firm. And then the other objective, verse 18, pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now this is such an easy verse to preach. It's telling us to pray all the time. I don't think I need to do an illustration to kind of unpack that for us. Let me just read it to us again. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. On all occasions. Now, you might see that phrase, pray in the spirit, as a very particular type of prayer or a super spiritual type of prayer. It's not. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and God is speaking to you all the time through his word. He is speaking to you all the time through your Christian friends. He is speaking to you directly with those prompts. That thing that this world calls a conscience for a Christian, that's actually the Holy Spirit guiding you. Those moments that we all have as followers of Jesus where we're saying, should I speak to that person? Do I say that thing? What job should I have? The Holy Spirit is in all and speaking through all of those situations. So praying in the Spirit is simply being mindful that there is a God who has something to say to you as well as you having something to say to God. So those are the objectives, to be strong in the Lord, to stand firm in the truth and to pray. But what about this enemy that we're facing? Now this is, this is where it gets full on and if you're not 
used to church, this is the bit of the talk we're going to do. What have I walked into here? And that, but bear with me, right? If you take a look at verse 11, and make sure, keep your Bibles open because we're going to be take, taking a good look at some of these verses here. Verse 11, we are up against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, I've not got time tonight to explain the whole world that is the devil and everything that the Bible says about that. But effectively, what you're looking at here is the one who is against God and seeking to keep you against God. And we see this word here, this scheme, the devil's schemes. These are deliberate, cunning plans that are in action right now. Verse 13, the powers and the authorities of this dark world and then the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now we're in quite deep here with this phrase, aren't we? Like we're talking here about heavenly realms realms that we are not in right now where there are according to scripture powers that we should be putting on this armor so that we can stand firm against them a few weeks ago a few of us did some prayer ministry following um the evening service where we just basically said we're going to be praying over there if anyone wants anything prayed into or just to pray with people or just to be in a prayerful environment then after the service just come and sit and and pray and it was me and Matt and Helen were just just there three relatively normal people looking to know people and to talk to our heavenly father about life I'm not going to share obviously what people shared with us when they came forward But one of the people that I spoke to shared something that I could not explain in human terms. It was not a practical issue this person was sharing with me. It existed entirely outside of normal life. And I didn't have any advice for this person as to how they could deal with this. I didn't have any life experience whatsoever, but I knew this person needed to bring it to God. Now, this wasn't some, also some super fantastic, they weren't like, I've got to defeat Darth Vader next week or whatever it might be. This this was a normal kind of problem for a Christian to have in spiritual terms. And so all we could do in that situation was to pray. And as we prayed together, several verses of scripture came to my mind and a couple of verses came to the mind of the other person. And somehow, in that moment, we felt like we'd done something, we'd worked with our Heavenly Father. Now, I'm not claiming that in that moment we did battle with spiritual forces within the heavenly realms, but there is a deeply spiritual element to what we are about here. It's not all 
about rotors and meetings. We are seeking a holy God that is king over the whole universe, king over heaven and earth. And that mysterious, ununderstandable, potentially uncomfortable part where we have to accept that God's bigger than us matters. Fortunately, we have God's word to guide us through. But that's part of our enemy. This is big stuff, isn't it? It's big and it's complicated stuff. But that's what the Bible is telling us here. Verse 16 says here in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one there he is again this evil one and although we have war imagery here with these flaming arrows flying at us we we know that that's imagery right but again we have an evil one who is on the offensive That's what scripture is telling us in this moment. So it's quite an enemy that we have. How are you feeling now on a Sunday evening? A couple of hours ago, I was in my mother-in-law's garden having roast lamb, right? So I know what it's like to come into a building and suddenly we're talking about this stuff, right? I understand that. Do you feel like you can take this stuff on in life? Do you believe me in what I'm saying? Do you believe what the Bible's saying? Where does that leave you and what do you do about it? You know, one of the things that the leaders and preachers often talk about is how do we apply all of these spiritual things and the word of God to people's lives? Well, in this situation, we've actually got everything we need already in Ephesians. What do we do with this mighty enemy that we seem to have here and this massive objective to stand strong against and to stand firm and to pray and to pray and to pray? Well, I would suggest that the next thing we do is continue with our battle plan and take a look at the terrain. You see, I would suggest that Paul is not massively interested in the exciting spiritual warfare miraculous stuff that the Ephesians themselves had experienced as he's writing this here. I don't think that's what Paul is getting at in the letter of Ephesians. If you look back at Acts chapter 19, when Paul first went to Ephesus, hugely miraculous things happened that were very, very difficult to explain in scientific and human terms, except for an act of mighty power demonstrating how powerful God is. If I, in my naivety and my limited wisdom, were to write a letter to the Ephesians, I would probably write to them about that. I'd be saying, and what other miracles is God doing there? And how is he working? And you need to keep going with that, because that stuff is the most significant sign that you have seen, that you really are an alive church. If we heard of a church in this area or became a church in this area where huge miracles started to happen, that could really quickly become our focus. We shouldn't dismiss those miracles in any way, shape or form. In fact, we should eagerly desire the Holy Spirit to work But look what Paul writes about in chapters 4 and 5 and 6. He talks about unity. He talks about the church getting along. 
He talks about people rubbing up against each other, rubbing each other the wrong way, and forgiving each other. In fact, he talks about more than that. He talks about the nitty-gritty of our real lives. In verse 17, he talks about our thinking. That's the battlefield. In verse 18, our understanding, our hearts, and our sensitivity. That's the battlefield. Our deceitfulness, our truthfulness, our attitude in our minds, how truthful our speech is, what our relationships with our neighbours are like, how we handle anger, the way that we talk, how violent we are, how kind we are. That's huge, how kind we are. How compassionate we are, how forgiving we are. Our sex lives, our greed, our joking even is in Ephesians. How we should approach banter is in Ephesians. And then he goes for the jugular and goes somewhere that makes us all bulk at times. He goes right into our households and he tells us how we should be married and he tells us how we should parent and he tells us how we should be slaves. I don't know that there are any slaves here today, but he does tell us, should it come up, how to be a slave. He tells us how to be masters. In that, he tells us how to be employees. He tells us how to be employers and good managers. That's the battlefield that Paul seems interested in. So when Paul says in verse 12 of chapter 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's easy to think, right, I've got to go Jedi on this then. If I'm going to be a, a good Christian, I have to become super spiritual. That's not the point that Paul's making. He's saying that every element of your real life is spiritual and you need to view it that way. Now, that means that you've got to allow God in. You've got to let him tell you how to live your life. You have to. That's part of being a disciple. A disciple is someone that wants to become the person they are following We are disciples of Jesus. We want to become like Jesus. He's told us how. It's hard, but it's also the good stuff. That's where you grow spiritually. He's not telling us to disappear into a super spiritual state. As hard as it is, it's also good news for average Joes like me and you. That means that starting now, we can deeply, truly and meaningfully engage with our Heavenly Father just by living our real lives. If you, next time you're having an argument with your husband and wife, if you have a husband or wife or a friend, or you're in the middle of a dispute, If you view that spiritually and you pray it through and you put on the armour of God and you act in the way that God wants you to do, that is a deeply spiritual act. And if you come out of that argument having represented Jesus relatively well, 
then you've made progress as a disciple of Jesus. You see, all the big statements from Ephesians 1 and 2 about who we are and who God is and what has been done for us and this huge battleground that we have and the devil and these huge things that are bigger than us, all of it exists within your real life. You can actually make progress. You can actually be encouraged. This is real. You can really get to know God through this. But you do need your armour. You do need your armour. Paul recognises and God recognises that this stuff is hard. If you're going to be a godly husband or a godly wife or a godly friend or a godly parent, then that's going to be hard. If you're going to hand your sex life to God and say, you are in charge of that bit of me, not me, then that is going to be hard. If you are going to hand the things that you say and you think and do to God and say, that is yours, that's going to be hard. That's why the armour. That's why we need the armour. And that armour is made of truth. It's made of righteousness. It's made of readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It's made of faith. It's made of salvation. And it's made from the word of God. So you can look at the armour of God in isolation and you can take a look at this passage and you can see the language that is there and you can say, wow, this is a huge battle and it's raging. But what we really need to pray for, what I really need to pray for, is that when I'm out there on the battlefield being a human being that follows Jesus Christ, that I'm praying in the Spirit on all occasions. Context is everything. It's absolutely everything when you're reading scripture. The other day, and with this, with this I'll close, the other day I picked up my um, boy Rocco from school who'd written a poem at school and I've got his permission to share this. Um, and he, it's, not a, it's not a tearjerker, by the way, just saying, we're not, we're not building up to something really lovely here at all. Um, so the, he'd written this poem and I was holding this poem and I read the last five lines, right? Listen to this. A murderous stabbing fork, tearing teeth, freedom, family, friends, gone. Whoa. So as a dad, right, I'm like, what on earth is my, my son is going to kill me with a fork and eat me, is what I've, what I've gotten from this. And, and I said to Rocco, I was like, Rocco, mate, like, you know, what's going on? And he said, oh, that's about peas. And it turns out that he was just expressing life from the perspective of a pea, right? <laughs> and so you can see that the murderous stabbing fork, it all begins to make sense, it all all comes through. Sometimes you need a little dose of reality, right? Sometimes you need to understand the context you're in to get stuff. Sometimes you can read stuff really quite badly wrong. And it turned out I didn't need to defend myself against my son. It turned out that he was actually just quite creative and knew quite a bit about life from the perspective of a P. My, my point is this. You do need to put the armour of God on. I need to put the armour of God on. 
And I pray that we, we will all do that, and I'm going to pray that in a moment. But it's real. The battle is real. It's made up of the stuff of your real life. So let's get out there with our armour on and be disciples of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do, um, we, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that we have this armour. We thank you that you have provided for us. We thank you for Ephesians and we thank you that you in your grace and mercy chose to take a deep dive into our real lives. And Father, in this moment, I just pray, I pray, Father, that you would show us, show us where you want us to do battle in our personal lives, Father. Show us, show us what you want us to do next. We love you so much. We love your word. In Jesus' name, amen.